Hi, this is a quick announcement. If you are a fan of the actual plays that have been on Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks, you may not know that we've actually moved them, or at least we've, we'll be doing all new episodes, on a new podcast called Grizzly Peaks Radio. So please go and check it out. There'll be a link in the show notes. Make a move, adventures calling. Forest fires, cougars falling. Take a chance and roll the dice one day. If you're a DM player, find you. Millennials can join this quest too. Expedition, we're gonna find a way. So we're back. We're back, we're back, we're back. Got Snowy. She's looking scruffy. And uh, she's wearing her red leather and diamante harness. I did not buy this for her. I did not buy her a red leather and diamante harness. That makes her sound like, um, like she's into bondage, doesn't it? Poor Snowy. Poor, poor Snowy. Um, the, the dog sitter didn't give me back her regular harness. Her scruffy cloth one. You can probably hear her grumbling. I don't think she likes her red leather and diamante harness. She is the Freddie Mercury of Maltese Terriers. Oh, God, and the smoke is back. What the fuck is going on? What the fuck? It's like, it's really strong now. Um, there's actually a hazard warning, stay indoors warning. Unbelievable. I think a new fire, a new complex of fires started over the last few days up in Napa. And it's it's called the glass fire, okay? I haven't looked this up. This is just what Medina told me. It's called the glass fire. Um, not because it happened in an area called glass, but because so many houses have been burnt that, and so many windows have been incinerated that we are getting falling glass particles in amongst the ash. Some year this is turning out to be. Um... I want to say something serious now. I know I don't say serious things very often, but this is, I, I guess this is the, the place for me to express my thoughts more than anywhere. I don't really post anything other than anything other than my actual plays and, and my albums of the day, which, are, which is finishing today. Albums of the day is finishing today, 200. And I'm finally going to be putting up my very first Beatles album after 199 days. I've got a horrible confession. I'm not that into the Beatles. But I'm going to put up the White Album. Because, you know, if I don't, then I'll... I'll it'll probably be seen. <laughs> Obviously, no one cares about it. But I would probably perceive it as me just being 
being um, difficult for the sake of being difficult by not putting up a Beatles album. But anyway, look, the serious point, um, and I don't want any call-ins about this or anything or any messages, but um, while we were away, while we were away in Palm Springs, I found out that my cousin died of COVID. He was 43. And that was rough. Uh, we'd, we'd lost contact with that side of the family due to stuff. But, or rather my father had. My father and, and his father had fallen out. Hadn't really spoken in 30 years, really. Maybe once. But I'd stayed relatively friendly with them, but I didn't see them very much. We, we'd become more like Facebook friends than anything. But I used to babysit this this lad, this man, <laughs> when he was a boy. I used to babysit him, and um, he was he was high risk, incredibly high risk. He had emphysema, and at the start of the pandemic, his his doctor told him that if you get it, it's a death sentence. And as a result, he was extremely vocal about social distancing and mask wearing, and he would be posting things on Facebook, videos and comments and pictures of of the shitty things he was seeing going on in in North London. Um, yeah. Then I found out three, four days ago that, that he went into hospital, went into a coma, and he died. And, yeah, that's rough. About a day later, I found out that another friend of mine, her husband, died of a heart attack. I mean, fuck 2020, is what I'm saying. Oh, man, look. I'm going to move on from this. Dwelling on these things is not good for me. You don't want to hear this stuff. Um, everything else seems trivial in comparison, but... You didn't come to listen to my podcast to, to hear me talking about some of the tragedies happening to people in my life. We keep going on, don't we? We keep going on, us humans. We're very resilient. And we're always learning. We're always discovering new things about ourselves especially in difficult times, especially about how resilient we are and how adaptable we are and how ready for change we are. It's becoming the new normal, isn't it, this pandemic life? I think everyone at the beginning was thinking, oh, you know, this will be over in a few months. and Well, not even that, maybe it'll be over in a few weeks. I, I, I seem to recall... There being notions of opening everything up again in April. Last April. I think we just didn't want to face the thought that this wasn't going to just go away. We didn't want to face the thought that this actually was our new reality. But it is. And we're adapting. But fuck 2020. Really? Fuck 2020. 
I'm not I'm not gloomy actually. I I don't I'm a very lucky person. Of course I have negative thoughts about things. We all do. Everyone does. They don't seem to really they seem to sort of they affect me but they don't they don't hobble me in any way. They don't they don't stop me from going forward. I think that's that's what I see about people with depression is they they experience the same thoughts but the effect that those thoughts have on them is is much more intense actually stops them from moving forward so i've been putting myself out there this season really <laughs> you know I, I i don't know if it was intentional or planned but it just seems to be the way it's gone and i've had some amazing responses to that now when I listened to a lot of these messages one after the other, I, I thought, "Oh, this is just this is just a wank fest, isn't it? This is just um, a bit of onanism on my part, putting up all these nice messages from all these amazing people, telling me that you're okay. You know, you're actually okay." But what I'm taking from this are just some of the nuggets of ideas and information and details. But it's also nice to have people value you and validate you, no matter how no matter how resilient you are. In the end, it's the people around us that, that help us do that. And it seems like I've got quite a few good people around me. Thank you all. Hello there, Andy. It's just safer. I've just listened to your latest podcast. And I just want to give you a little bit of reassurance in that. I said I thought you were an expert GM, and I do think you're an expert GM, Andy. I've listened to quite a few of your uh, live plays, and I think you are a very talented GM, indeed. Um, I think anyone that even gets into the GM chair deserves some respect and kudos, frankly. But, you know, this is a hard game. This is a hard hobby, I think. You know, back in the day when I first started playing... The older players, they wanted this hobby recognised as an adult hobby and they were complaining that we were dumbing it down as kids. And like, you know, Snap is a kid's game, a kid's card game, but Bridge is an adult's card game and I think this game is hard with all the different elements and I think we need to just cut ourselves some slack and accept that we're going to make mistakes and we're going to get tripped up and we've just got to take things easy on it. Oh, there you go. Caught by the anchorites again. I don't think I'm ever going to get used to that messaging system. I think I'm going to cock that up every single time. But as I was saying, you know, I think this is hard and I think we need to just ease up on ourselves and just give each other a bit of room and a bit of space. Um, I've just left a whole load of messages with uh, Jason's uh, 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 podcast about that recent podcast he did about railroading. And, and I just left a whole load of horse shit, really. I didn't have a clue what I was talking about. But what I will say, you know, Andy... I think you might have reached the point, which we all point where we need a bit of we need an antidote. And um James from Grog Talk says the same thing as me. That antidote to role playing is more role playing, and that role play is paranoia. I think you might have reached paranoia time, Andy. You know, because in that game you can do everything wrong. Not only can you do everything wrong, you're encouraged to do everything wrong. So I recommend gathering up a posse. See if you can uh, get someone to play that game and just do everything wrong and just let rip and just have a fucking laugh so that was safer from safer fantasy crafting and uh yeah you're right gming is hard gming is is um 
it's hard in, in, in many different ways. Like, it involves a degree of organisation and the ability to motivate people to, to come and play, primarily. But, but then there's a lot of expectations put on you as a GM, you know, to provide a fair, fun, thrilling, emotionally satisfying, challenging, but not too challenging, psychologically safe. <laughs> I could just go on and on and on about all the things in a way that are, are required of you as a GM. And I think sometimes you feel that you're not really appreciated for doing all these things and that the only things that stand out are, are where you've gone wrong. And I'm probably just playing into that in a way or, or, or falling into that trap of just focusing on, on what I've done wrong and trying to justify my mistakes as well. And that's, there's a message, there's a really important message about that coming up later. But, but anyway, thanks Safer, because, um, paranoia you you need to be i think i i quite like the fact that you're this unknowable voice from the northeast of england who will never play a game with any of us because it actually has turned you into this kind of savant this sage dispensing wisdom because you're right paranoia that is a place where everyone can let their hair down where you are meant to go in and fuck each other's shit up where you're meant to have pvp where the gm can be an absolute asshole to you and it's actually part of the game and it doesn't matter and you've all bought into it and it's fine i would love to see uh, or hear about examples of people who are Games where games of paranoia, people have, have gone in not knowing what the social contract is of that game. That that must lead to some, uh, yeah, <laughs> some problems. But thanks, Safer, um, and thanks for the compliments. Uh, I I don't really deserve them. I don't know why people give such nice compliments. Um, but thank you. Hi, Andy. So I've just heard up. To just after Joe's message and I'm intrigued to know what's going to come um, and I just want to say before I hear the rest of the episode that my amateur dramatics message uh, is is in a way totally genuine I love I love doing the APs it 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 kind of puts a game in my diary it helps me to actually get playing somehow with family and everything um and it helps me i don't know play the game and i think it is great that you that you put the effort in i really appreciate that um i'll probably leave some more messages won't i sometime see you hideyourguns.com really andy you need to come home now. I'll put the kettle on. Hi Andy, I know you don't want any poor Andy messages, so I'm not going to give you one or any. Um, but I think it is worth saying something like, uh, isn't it impressive where your character has got you, where your behaviour has got you? 
your patterns and routines and um yeah i you know i'm a benefactor of of what you do so i really appreciate that and once again you've basically said as much in in the latest episode another thing and i think this is what jason's been trying to articulate and i think he's done a perfectly good job of that is that when we when we are talking about behaviors ideas reporting on events that have taken place and sharing those things the i think the the driver behind that uh is to get deeper understandings of things people ourselves but the those behaviors events ideas are as i think you've said as well basically not the person not not attached to the person not not integral to that person so i wonder are you choosing to associate these things very closely with yourself of course they go to the core and uh it's it's very uh it is it in a way it is pretty brave of you to 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 voice that connection but i don't think you have to i don't think you have to moving introspectively through the forest he spotted a young stag perhaps the young stag he had seen only weeks before his antlers now protruding towards heaven with all of the power of a young man hoping for his chance to take control of the clan the antlered being at once became man and took on the name Andy Goodman Barney my dear the word you're looking for is beneficiary you are the beneficiary of my of my benefaction <laughs> uh, and I'm glad I something i i've done with these aps is actually having a, a positive effect in in a, in a real sense of, of of kind of getting you focused on the game I, I don't i don't think it works for everyone obviously for jason it's probably the opposite effect but you know horses for courses and you are one fine thoroughbred barney you are one fine thoroughbred and th- and and thank you for thinking of me as somehow brave to be putting this stuff out it doesn't feel brave at the time. It feels just self-indulgent. But I suppose, you know, if 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 people are getting anything out of it, then then it isn't just purely self-indulgent. You know, I, if there if there is a an any kind of learning that anyone can get out of these solipsistic ramblings then that's okay. That's okay. And as I said, it, it doesn't feel brave because I, I've sort of conditioned myself to be able to talk about these things without feeling shame or embarrassment. 
Um, it was a process. It took a while to get there, but it's not actually that hard once you start doing it. It's like it's like anything. If you practice anything enough, uh, you'll get the hang of it. All right, Barney. There's more from you later, ain't there? Hey, Andy. Jason here. Just listened to episode, I guess, 308 maybe. The bloody dress. No criticism from me, dude. Seriously, you worked it out with the group. You talked it out with your group. You guys are okay where you're at. And you're making adjustments. So everybody's more comfortable. So to me, that's a success. There's always going to be bumps in the road. And as long as you're communicating and that communication's heard both ways and and everybody feels you're moving forward, it's okay. So, like I say, zero complaints from me. Take it easy. Thanks for sharing the uh, conversation with Kara and uh, the clip as well from the episode, man. It's great to hear. And um, it's good that you, you recognized, you know, I think early on you knew this when you did your first episode, you said you, uh, quote, fucked up end quote um yeah um it obviously made that player really uncomfortable and the outrages are heard in their voice um but this does not make you a bad gm um as you said you're learning andy and um i think you you sound to me like an excellent gm simply because you are paying attention and you're thinking about this stuff uh, you aren't just blundering on uh, regardless. You know, you are really deeply caring about the experience that you and your players are having. And I think that makes you a great GM, in fact, even though you might not feel that way. I think that if I was to give you any advice at all, and who am I to give advice because, you know, <laughs> the flakiest GM on the planet. But if I was to give you any advice, it would be very simply to continue paying attention but also um, consider every time you hear yourself rationalizing what you're doing to really question those rationalizations and to understand that what was happening is, uh, and the reaction you're getting is uh, a real and genuine thing. And I don't know, I think our rationalizations are just that, okay? We have to kind of get to the emotion underneath and... Um, that is where I think the richest source of, of kind of learning comes from, understanding why we did that um, without rationalizing, really. Just try and get to the honesty of it. Anyway, thank you. I think this season has been one of the bravest things I've heard anyone do. So I wanted to say thank you, Andy, for exposing yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, exposing your gm uh you know behaviors and thoughts in the way that you have um we're very different all of us but uh you know there are so many things we can learn from each other so um here's yeah, thank you and remember that you are a great gm uh, you have so much richness and so much to bring to players and um it is fantastic to see happening really to be on the outside listening in i guess thank you andy game on Hey Andy, Daniel here calling in about, I guess maybe the last couple episodes actually, where you're talking about um, the situation there in the Call of Cthulhu game. I think um, ultimately what you were doing like seemed good on the surface. You know, you were trying to give a one player uh, the spotlight, but um, 
you know, in, in doing that, you kind of removed agency from the other one. And, uh, you know, we all make that kind of goof up. I mean, it happens. It doesn't make you a bad GM. In fact, I would say that you're an excellent GM because for me, if you can get players to come back every week or every month or how often you play and they enjoy the sessions and they come back, uh, you know, wanting to play more, that means you're good. No other measure matters in my mind to how good or bad of a GM you are than if you can have a good time with your friends and make a great night of it or day or whenever you're playing, I guess. Talk to you soon. So uh, some messages there from Jason, from Che and from Daniel. And I, I guess what they're all pointing to is, well, I guess the main message they're pointing to is, is that as long as you're aware of, of what you're doing wrong and you address it and you don't let it just fester, then then you're doing the right thing and you're improving and you're you're actually being a good GM whilst being a bad GM. <laughs> you see what I mean? Um, like, there's nothing wrong with making mistakes. What's wrong is not acknowledging them and then repeating them or pretending that they aren't mistakes. So, you know, I'm a very self-critical person as well as being someone that seemingly has boundless confidence in their own abilities. Um which is something that just got kind of drummed into me rather unfortunately I think due to the school I went to produced a lot of arrogant bastards basically that was like their mode their, their model um, yeah but on top of that I have a huge um, like whirl of self-criticism there just like self-doubt, self-criticism, but but it, I think it's a good thing to have that. You know, there's nothing more destructive than certainty. There's nothing more, um, I suppose, stupid than being sure that you're right about something. Mm. And self-doubt, not knowing is the highest form of knowledge. I think as any Zen master will tell you. <laughs> what am I talking about? Um, but, but you know, I th thanks to all three of you, really, for pointing, for pointing something out, really, that, you know, I, I probably handled it better than I thought, not in the moment, but in what happened afterwards, and in my willingness to to really put that all out there for everyone to see. I was fully accepting that I'd screwed up. And then what Che says later about, don't try and justify your mistakes. Just acknowledge them and figure out what you're gonna do about them next time. And without knowing it, he's hit on a, a rather unfortunate weak spot of mine. You know, when you feel like you're not very good at things or that you're less than, then you do try and justify why you're not very good. You do try and find reasons. It's hard to accept the fact that you're just not very good at something. If, if it's something you want to be good at, 
there's always an excuse there's always a reason when that's taken to an extreme it's ugly and awful but i think we all do it to some extent and che thank you so much for pointing that out um i need to do less of that in in every aspect of my life you know don't try and rationalize away your failures just observe them acknowledge them and and do it a little bit better next time but in the end as as daniel says and he's right as usual daniel you cut straight to the heart of the matter none of this philosophizing nonsense there is no other measure this is the only empirical measure we have no one can be tested or evaluated or graded or scored on their ability as a gm the only empirical measure we have the only evidence we have is are people coming back to your game and what i would say is what i would like to say is that isn't that is a positive indicator if people don't come back to your game that is not a negative indicator because we do not know the reason why people don't come back to the game usually and usually it's not because you're a shitty gm it's usually because of all these other reasons it's usually reasons much more to do with them and what's going on in their life and what's going on with them as a player than what it is what's going on with you as a gm i appreciate every gm that's ever run a game for me even the ones that i didn't like their style i still appreciated the game and that is the sign that's the only empirical evidence we have that that you're doing a good job and that's the only good job that matters Andy, I haven't listened to the episode where you talk to Kiara. Very excited to hear how that goes. I'm calling because I just want to say that I really enjoyed the end of our uh, Walberswick adventure last night. And that there was one moment in there where you railroaded us like crazy. And it was... Fine, totally fine and good. But my goodness, it was like a masterclass in railroading. You know which moment I'm talking about, but your listeners don't. It was the moment where we had taken out a load of fish folk. We had subdued the local constabulary. And then you invited us to get into... Dodgy Lord Chesney Hawk's dodgy limousine. I was hypnotised, wrestled to the floor to stop me doing it, and the rest of the players were umming and ahhing about whether they should get in the limousine or not. Then came the question about the more fish folk. And you said, oh yeah, there's about a dozen of them over the sandbank. So it was either stay and get totally wiped out by the fish folk over the over the hill, or go in the dodgy limousine to God knows where. Hoo, 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 what a choice. There's one thing I regret not doing in Walberswick, and that is trying to buy nunchucks in the post office. And there's Barney back for more. Back for more hot gaming action. <laughs> what a compliment that is, actually. What a loving compliment that is. 
that that is the most masterful railroad. <laughs> it's like saying, you know, you're, you're, um, the way you punched me there was so beautiful. I couldn't help but applaud as I doubled over in agony. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't think that's, um, that's quite as, um, visceral an effect that I had on Barney, but, um, but yeah, was I railroading you? <laughs> I don't think I was. You still had a choice. You had look, look. That it's going to be ages before I get around to editing, putting that up that episode. And I got to say, those four sessions of Watchers of War was were some of the most hilarious gaming I've ever been involved in. Um, you know, masterclass from everyone really in how to play a play a really silly Call of Cthulhu scenario and just go with it, go with it. Because it is pretty much silly. And, um, you know, you say railroad, you say railroad, but the, the, seriously, none of that stuff was even written down, let alone planned. I mean, it was all improvised, all emergent. But, okay, so I, again, I'm being disingenuous. Of course I wanted to get you up to the to the house. I we even discussed it on Discord. I said I think you should go and have 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 a encounter with with Sir Chesney and you agreed. You don't remember that, do you? Or do you? You're just trying to wind me up. I thought you were all in. I thought you were the one that would make it happen. But no. I have to cast dominate on you, which incidentally only asked around, but I wasn't telling you that. I have to cast dominate on you to make you bloody do it and then the others don't let you do it. Oh. But what would have been more fun? You tell me. Being slaughtered by 12 deep ones or having a nice cocktail up at Chesney Manor? You guys never let me have my fun. <laughs> I thought it went really well. But um, maybe I'm better at this uh, GMing lot than I thought. Or maybe I'm just a railroading bastard from hell. What's amazing about your discussion with Kiara and to some extent the discussions that we've been having over the last few weeks in your season three, um, but especially in the conversation with Kiara, I was really hit by the fact that we are talking about these tiny moments, tiny moments that contain so much or spark off so much. It's almost like they're holographic, that contained in that one moment is so many things, so many responses, judgments, assessments. And and they could have gone some other way, but they just had that frisson in that moment and... That's what spins out into all of this stuff. See ya. How do you do it, Barney? You, you're a very um, acute thinker, aren't you? You're not cute. Well, you're quite cute, but you're an acute thinker. Um, I think in the midst of all those messages that you sent me, over the last few weeks. This one really has got me thinking. This this idea of the hologram. 
of the information being packed into a very tiny space and it just unfolds and unfolds and unfolds. And, and you're absolutely right. There's so much in these tiny moments um, that, that, that they seem to contain. They are the microcosm of, of, all, of all manner of things. And if I think about that, just that moment when I tried to do something with that story, with that little thread of a story about the bloody dress, and I think of all the ramifications of it and everything that has blossomed out of it, both good and bad, it is bizarre, isn't it? It's bizarre because we spend so much time in our games just going through stuff that doesn't create this well why do these moments matter so much are they is it that things just build up to the point where they just have to come out or is it just dumb chance just a misalignment when the stars are right or their stars are wrong and yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I, I have no idea. I, I think it is chaos. I think it is random chance. Because if you think about all of the elements that go into a, let's call it a peak moment like that, and I don't mean that necessarily is a good peak or a bad peak, it just is a peak. Um, it's almost impossible to engineer that. You can't. Think of all the people involved in making, um, and in, and it, you know that 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 exposure, that that um, the exposure of the dress to the player when she didn't want it, and all of the feelings wrapped up in that. Think of all of the lead up to that. You can't just engineer that. So maybe it is just luck. I I, I don't even know what it means to be honest. Do we try do we try and engineer those things? Should we try and engineer them? Or should we just hope that they happen? Oh, you got me thinking, Barney. That's your problem. And you'll get me thinking later later on this weekend because I am gonna be playtesting alluvial planes. And I am so looking forward to that. Did I get the name right? I don't know if I did. Anyway, I'm gonna be a player. Not only that, but I've signed up to the Miskatonic Repository online convention, which um, I believe is is in two weeks' time. And again, I'm going to be a player. What am I doing? What am I doing? I will report back on, uh, well, I guess what happens when the forever GM who hates being a player becomes a player. Oh, and here's someone. You're not going to like this very much. Andy, very disappointed in this episode. Um, on and on you went. 20 minutes about this 800-mile journey and and just this epic quest you and your family were going on. And you'll be stopping over several days and you'll have to be driving in shifts. And it turns out it's not 800 miles. It's not even 800 kilometers, mate. And you knew it. You knew it the whole time. It's just clickbait. It's all trolling with you. It's always trolling with you. And you, you spend 20 minutes talking about it, 20 seconds retracting it at the end, and not a second of editing. No, not a second. So the only thing you had right in this entire episode 
is yes, it was your worst episode. No, Andy Newman, I'm just kidding, man. This is your buddy Nate Gilton from Hollywood. And I was just calling in to say hi, see how you're doing. I'm working on a little accent. I got a little project coming up. I'm doing a, you know, little, getting, got a little acting gig going on maybe if I can get this accent right. It's not going well so far, but neither are things going well for you, right? So keep sucking, buddy. It's a game we're role-playing. I'm a stranger and you're making mistakes. Smell your